Uh, and then sometimes it just, you know, God just doesn't want to heal you. Just, he just doesn't. There's no reason. He just, he just doesn't want to. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, we've all heard the ones about God wants to get glory from your sickness, right? And yet every time we see anybody giving God glory in the New Testament in relation to sickness, it was always after they received healing. It was never before. So there's never an instance in, the, in the, all of the scripture and all of a, the uh, counsel of the Lord where he used sickness to obtain glory. He used healing to obtain glory many times, right? But then some people come up with the crazy idea that, well, God put this sickness on me so he could heal me, so he could get glory. Well, that's abuse, right? That's physical abuse, right? That, that is devilish that he's going to hurt you so he can help you after he hurts you. That, that you know, people uh, get um, uh, uh, restraining orders from people that are that way, right? This guy's crazy, and I need, a, I need uh, legal protection from this crazy guy because he's got these crazy thoughts that he's going to hurt me so he, then he can put a Band-Aid on me so he can be my healer. Well, that's crazy, right? We, we go to the law and say this person is crazy, demonstrably crazy, and I want, I want legal protection from them. And yet, uh, in all of those things that we just mentioned, all of those are common things in the church, right? Anybody heard several of those things? Maybe all of those things, right? Sometimes God just wants you to be sick. You know, sometimes God needs you to teach you something. Or he's going to teach you, right? I love that one. He's going to teach you something from your sickness, right? Uh, and so because if you go through the word of God, uh, so many times when Jesus was on the earth, he put sickness on people to teach them. Is that right? How many times did Jesus put sickness on people to teach them? Zero. And yet... How many instances of sick people do we have record of with the ministry of Jesus? Well, bunches of them, right? I mean, there's, there's about 19 individual cases of healing in the Gospels, and that doesn't include all of the multitudes, right? He healed the multitude. He healed them all. So, uh, you know, there's probably a couple of dozen or more cases of healing that Jesus dealt with. Never one time did he ever instigate the sickness upon their life in order to then remove the sickness on their life right um and and never did he did he you know say well now that you've had the sickness you know the reason it's there is because i've been trying to teach you how to you know be a good parent or be a good mother or be a good employee you know i've used this to teach you he never did that and if he never did that in all the cases that we have you think that you know there are some cases where he just did things maybe one time, right? And, and, you know, so it's an example, but, you know, he just did it one time, but there's no examples of that. And so, you know, where does a, where does a doctrine like that originate? If there's no examples of that in the Bible, and, and in fact, there's no examples of any things that we've talked about already uh, today, there's no examples of that anywhere in the Word of God. So where does that come from? What's the root and the foundation for those doctrines? Well, the Bible does talk about doctrines of devils, yeah, that in these last days there'll be doctrines of devils. Uh, well, who's got the most to gain from a sick church? The devil does, right? Because if the church is sick, are we able to complete the Great Commission? Right? If, you, if he said, I mean, he, the very first word of the Great Commission was what? Go. And what's the whole point of sickness? Is to stop. To keep you from doing everything, right? To limit you. Even if you can go. You may not be able to go as much. You may not be able to go as far. You may not be able to go as long. But oftentimes you can't go at all. You're bedridden or you're, 
you're, you're uh, at home and you can't get out for whatever reason, right? Uh, and, of course, we're not here to disparage anybody that's sick at all. That's, that's not the intent of it. The intent of it is to destroy these crazy doctrines that, you know, well, God wants that. Well, if God wants that, then uh, you think he's going to judge us if we go or don't go? I mean, if he told us to go, is he gonna, are we going to have to stand in judgment before him someday? And is he going to ask us, did you go? Did you go into all the world? Uh, he is, because if he told us to do that, then we're required to do that, right? And, and, of course, all the world includes Dayton, Tennessee, right? Ray County, state of Tennessee, America, right? And then the world. And so, uh, you know, you're going into all the world. May Your whole world may be Dayton, Tennessee. And that's fine, right? If you minister in Dayton, Tennessee, and you're doing what the Lord told you to do, then you're still accomplishing the Great Commission. Uh, but if he puts sickness on you, and you're standing before him, and if he asks you, did you do what I told you to do to go, and you say, no, I didn't, well, then you would have a valid, righteous, just excuse to say, the reason I didn't is because you, Lord, put sickness on me so that I couldn't go. Well, then how is, how is the Lord going to be fair? How, how could he judge you fairly if he's the one keeping you from doing the very thing that he told you to do? You know, just like your boss come up, you say, hey, go build me a house but I'm not going to give you any wood or nails or screws or paint. But, but, but if you don't build a house, you don't get paid. And I'm not going to give you any money to go buy the materials either. Well, I mean, you, I mean unless you have like angel dust or something, how are you going to do it? You can't do it, right? But then it's, un, then it's unfair that he, he requires you to do something, but then hinders you from doing that. It would be unfair and unjust, right? And you would have a case to go wherever you go for things like that and say, hey, you know, this is the contract. And, uh, and he said he would pay me, but then, he, then he, didn't, he hindered my ability to do what I'm supposed to do to get paid. Uh, you know, there, there's, so much, there's so much bad doctrine in the, in the church today uh, that it's, it's a real shame because these, these things are not, in my heart and mind, these are not difficult concepts, right? We, we go over them a lot because we need to build our faith because the, the attack is constant, right? And that's why we do this. because Not because we're always trying to convince you one more time that God wants to heal you. I don't think that's the purpose of healing school. You know, if you're new to healing school, fine. We're going to try to get that point across to you and convince you that it's God's will every time. But after having come to healing school for several years, the point is not to try to convince you. The point is to continue to, you know, it's continuing education, right? To keep you fresh on your faith. Uh, so, that, so that you become aware of these things and, and that you, you go on the offensive against the attacks of the enemy. Uh, and I believe, you know, really many of you, if not most of you all in here, have had great success in that, that area over the years and have had seen success many times, you know, and those successes help build your confidence that the next time it happens, if it does happen again, that the time from the, that you sense the first symptom to the time that you receive complete healing gets shorter and shorter every time to the point that from the devil's perspective, it's not worth the effort. That's what I want him to do is get to a point so that, that, that the effort for him to go and, and convince some, some devil, some you know, underling devil to come to my house and to attack me with some symptom and, and knowing that within two minutes I'm going to use faith to overcome it, it's not worth the effort to him, right? So he just, well, I'm not going to do that, right? Now, they may, you may walk through a germ or a virus, you know, and you have to do that separate from a demonic presence. But, you know, I want to get to the point where it's not worth the effort to, of the devil to, 
to, uh, to do these things, amen? He can go pile up on somebody else because there's plenty of Christians that will hook up with him all the time, right? And it's amazing how much more uh, diligent the church is to hook up with the devil and his, and his attacks in sickness and disease than they are with the, with the Spirit of God and his declaration of faith in the Word, amen? And so, <clears throat> but you know, uh, even, uh, even all, if all those things are true and, and they are true that people believe those things, we're not going to be deterred from believing these things, are we? You know, if we have to stand alone in the, in the church. And, you know, even the, even the concept that God wants to heal you every single time without exception is a rare uh, doctrine, even in our circles, right? Now, you know, you go outside of our circles to the, to the greater church where, you know, not faith people, you know, not word people, not uh, miracle people, you know, just, you know, basic people that go and save, getting saved, going to heaven, you know, that, of course, they, they won't even pay any attention at all to anything you say. But even in our circles, charismatic Pentecostal circles, the concept that God wants to heal you every single time without exception is fairly rare. Uh, and, you know, in all the studies we've done, you know, we've looked at, of course, we've looked at Brother Hagen, We've looked at F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth. We've looked at uh, Lenny B. Yeoman. Uh, we talked about other ministers as well. Uh, in all of those ministers that we've studied, every minister that I've studied, the only one that I know that stays with that doctrine is Brother Hagen. Everybody else, without exception, has had some, li- sometimes it's limited, but, but, but they all have some limit to the power of God, some limit to the healing ability of God in your life. That sometimes, you know, God just, you know, wants you to be sick. Even Dr. Yeomans, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's rare, but they, they do, you know, you will see that kind of, you know, oozing out sometimes. It didn't mean for it to ooze out, but it does, you know, and you find out, you know, okay, they're not 100% on this page. And, and, and my, my problem with that, generally speaking, is because even F.F. Even, uh, F. Bosworth coined the phrase that, that faith begins where the will of God is known. And as far as I know, he coined that phrase. I, you know, there may be other people that came before him, but uh, I, I've heard it. Uh, he was the first one I've ever seen in history that I, that I see, uh, that I've seen make that statement. Other ministers have quoted him. I've quoted him. I've quoted that many times. It's a good, it's a good statement. He quoted that statement, faith begins where the will of God is known. So if you, if you don't know the will of God, then there is no faith. And that's true because faith is, in essence, is what does the word of God say? My faith is I believe what the word of God says. And if you don't know what the word of God says, then you cannot have faith, right? You cannot have any faith towards healing if you don't know what the word of God says. doesn't matter if Sister Doodad got, got healed. You can't have faith in Sister Doodad, right? She's not the foundation of your faith. The word of God is the foundation of her faith. So, we, so you can't say, well, she got healed, so God will heal me. Well, that's, there's no Bible for that. There's no Bible says if your neighbor's healed, God will heal you. There's no, there's no promise for that, right? Uh, the promise is, I am the Lord, your healer. Uh, and so, but even, even folks like Ephesus, now, again, it was, it was fairly rare, but, you know, it, what, he never had the absolute, it's always God's will to heal. So he's, sometimes, you know, it, it seems as though, you know, uh, God doesn't want to heal you. And so, and they're a little, they're a little wishy-washy sometimes in that, but it's the case, you know, and so, and that's one reason why I really like Brother Hagen, because I agree 100% with him. There's never an exception, never. From God's will, from his heart, from his desire, there's never an exception in the history of humanity that he wants anybody to remain ill. Uh, and uh, we understand that his, that sometimes that we limit him, that we put the constraints on him by our actions and our words you know, well, you know, you just get older sometimes. You just, you just, you know, things just start hurting, you know, after a while. 
Well, then what can the Lord do? He would have to violate your will and say, no, I'm going to let you live your, all your days without, without any pain in your joints. But, no, but you've said it, right? And you not only said it, you declared it and voice, almost bragged about it, right? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting more, more in pain every day, every day, you know. Uh, and, and so, and you hear that. You ever hear people say stuff like that? You know, I bet Miss Sandra hears stuff like people come in the hospital every day, right? You probably hear it every day, probably a bunch of times every day, right? Oh, you just wait till you get my age, Miss Sandra. You know, you just, it's, uh, you think you're bad now. Wait till you get my age, you know? And, 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 uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of times there's almost a little bit of pride in it, right? Oh, you think you feel bad. I bet I feel twice as bad as you do, you know? And then it becomes competition. And I will compete to, to lose that, that uh, uh, competition every time. Uh, and I told you the time I was with a bunch of people in a long, big table at eating dinner. You know, I don't know, a dozen people were there or more. And they, and they just started, you know, it was one of those things, a race to the bottom, right? You feel bad, I feel twice as bad as you do. Oh, yeah, well, mine started itching. Oh, yeah, mine started hurting. Oh, yeah, well, mine started swelling, you know. And I had to put a Band-Aid on mine. Oh, I had to put, you know, I had to put all kinds of things on mine. Yeah, and, and, um, and they just kept on going. Finally, I just said, man, I feel great. <laughs> and they look at you like, you know, what's wrong with you? Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, I don't usually say stuff like that, but every now and then I'll just say that just because it, it, it just throws a wrench in their, in their doubt and unbelief, right? Um, and, um, and people, you know, even, even uh, Dr. Uh, Donald G., one of the great uh, ambassadors of faith uh, back in the day, he, he actually was the president of a Pentecostal college. He said that it's fanatical to believe that God wants you to be healed every single time. Fanatical. I mean, he, he used the word fanatic. You, you're fanatical uh, clinging to that particular idea. He said, you, you put other people under pressure. Because, you know, if I, say, if I say it's God's will every single time to heal and you just can't get healed, then I, I'm condemning you. You know, I, I am convicting you of some unknown sin or whatever, that you're not in faith or that you're not as good as I am or that you're not as worthy as I am. I'm not condemning anybody. Uh, that's not on me. That's on you. If you feel condemned, it's not from me. It's, it's from your own shortcomings. And I don't mean to be the unkind about that. But uh, if my faith causes you to feel bad about yourself, well, that's not on me. Am I going to diminish my faith? Am I going to you know, stop being prosperous or stop being uh, of a sound mind or stop being full of joy because you're not one of those things? I mean, you know, uh, some people just... Uh, you know, you, you ever get around people and, and just everything's the worst. Like, oh, you know, my car exploded. My dog died. My cat cheated on my dog. You know, all my flowers died off, you know. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, even, even my, my, you know, uh, whatever. You know, even my grass won't grow, right? I mean, just I planted it and it won't even grow. I mean, everything. You, just, you know, you're telling people that's just everything, right? And, uh, it's, it, it, and it reminds me of that kid on... Snoopy, remember, remember Pigpen, remember Pigpen or Snoopy? You know, he never did say anything, but he, you know, but everyone, there was a, there was a cloud of dust around him because he was a Pigpen. I mean, can you imagine saying that today to help offended people get, oh, you're like Pigpen, right? I mean, but you know, he was literally a main character, right? And then, and, and of course, you know, I was probably Pigpen growing up, you know, I mean, everywhere I went, there was a, yeah, but you know, people like that, that, that way today, you know, but the gray cloud is over the head, everywhere they go, it's raining, right? It's always gray, you know, never happy, never sunny, it's always gray, you know? It's like, aren't you on your way to heaven? If you died right now, wouldn't you go to hell? Oh, yeah. Oh, how could you be unhappy? You'd stand before God in glory 
Right now, this second, if you died this second, you'd be in glory. How could you not be happy? But it's just, it's just, and the problem, it's self, you know, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh yeah, my life is the worst. The devil's like, thank you. I'll make sure that's true. Right? Oh, I'm always the first one to get sick. The devil's like, thank you. I'll make sure that's true. I, I'm always broke. Yep, thank you. I'll make sure that's always true. You know, the devil's just, you know, he just, he just sits around with a clipboard. What'd you say? Yeah, yeah. say that again. Okay, yeah. It'll be there Tuesday, right? You'd be the first one to get it. You know, he, he's just taking notes all the time, right? And, and we shoot ourselves in the foot all the time, right? Uh, and even that phrase right there, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot. Well, I guess, you know, uh, the preacher may have to get a tape, a copy of this tape, right? Uh, but, um, uh, but that's really, in essence, what we're doing because it's a self-inflicted wound, right? And in that case, that is true, right? Uh, when, we, when we do that, and, and of course, uh, we, we've mentioned the story many times where Brother Hagen had gone to uh, somebody who was ill and the family had asked him to pray for this fellow and, uh, and he got there and, and, and the Lord said, don't pray for him. Uh, and he's like, well, I mean, aren't you supposed to pray for the sick? Sure, you always pray for the sick, but see, we take everything that the word says, even in the New Testament, we try to turn it into to an, to an immovable law. You have to pray for the sick. Well, I mean, in the New Testament, Everything is, it depends. Really, and, and everything is, it depends. Well, it depends on what? It depends on what the Spirit of God wants you to do in that moment, right? You can't turn it into a law. The believer shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Well, yeah, that's generally true. But if it violates somebody else's will, you know, uh, we had a friend of ours who, who was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Friend of the family. I didn't really know them that well, but they knew they were a friend of the family. Uh, and I thought, you know, I just, the Lord's a healer. This person knows the healing power of God. And so, you know, I'd like to go and add my faith to his faith. So I, I called, hey, can, can I go and see this person? I called somebody else in the family. Can I go and see this person? Would they let me go and, and, and pray for them? And, and they got worried about No. No, I mean, what? That, that didn't make any sense. No. Well, the believers on the hands of, you know, I've got to go. The Lord said, I've got to go. Well, I can't go if he says no. And, and you know what happened? Well, he died, you know, I mean, he did, I mean, it's terrible, but he died, you know. Could he have got healed? 100% he could have got healed. But, you know, for whatever reason, and I, and I won't find out that we get to heaven, you know, uh, he just said no. Can you imagine telling somebody no? I mean, you go to a, to, to a terrible sinner, hey, can I pray for you? You know, it looks like, you know, well, would you be okay if I pray? They'd be, oh, yeah, pray for me, you know. Hope it works. You're gonna, I ain't going to do anything for my good, you know. I mean, I, it won't do it for me, but maybe the Lord will have mercy on you. Uh, and so, so, you know, he went. And the Lord said, don't pray for them. Don't pray for him. And then, of course, then, then, then he died. And, of course, you know, he, he had to pray something because they're all watching you. I don't know what he prayed, but he had to, I'm sure he had to do something. You know, twinkle, twinkle, little star. You know, Lord, I thank you for the rain and snow and the clouds and, you know, the wind or whatever. And, and uh, then the fellow died and he talked with the family, you know, you know uh, is there, you know, of anything that, because uh, what the Lord told him, the, the words that the Lord told him, the reason why he said don't pray for him is he said spiritual laws which were put in motion years ago, cannot at this time be changed. So, and really the, the thing about it is, in all of those things, the reason you can't turn the, the Word of God into a law, any of the Word of God, you know, it was never intended to make it, even the Old Testament, a rigid law that couldn't be adjusted for the circumstance, you know, like if somebody was hungry, well, they could eat the bread off the, off the offering plate. You know, David did it, right? And he didn't get struck down, struck down. 
but, you know, if you were just lazy and didn't want to go fix your own bread, didn't want to go steal the bread from the, from the temple, you know, that would usually result in lightning or earth opening up and eating you or something. And, and so, yeah, you couldn't just run around and be foolish. But, you know, if you were sincere and, and needed some help that would violate, in general, the principles of the Word of God or the Old Testament law, the Lord was fine with it, you know. Uh, and so, does that give you an excuse to never do anything? No, it doesn't give you an excuse to do that, you know. But, uh, but you can follow your own path of salvation and find it, amen. Uh, and so, uh, but the, the thing is, is there's no law that will ever override your will. And that's a big part of, of these things. And a big reason why you can't turn the word of God into a law is because your will is sovereign. The Lord will do nothing to override your will. Uh, sovereign means it answers to no one. You know, God is God sovereign? You know why he's sovereign? Because he doesn't answer to anyone. Who does he answer to? Doesn't answer to you know, Even kings, they call the king the sovereign on the earth, right? A natural king, they'll call him the sovereign, right? And they call him sovereign because the kings don't answer to anyone in theory, right? And now in general, you know, in fact, uh, uh, Prince Charles just became King Charles III, right? Because uh, Queen Elizabeth died, so now he's King Charles and he's a sovereign. He answers to no one, but really he answers now to, to the Commonwealth of, of England or, or, you know, to whoever, uh, you know, he, he has to get certain things approved by them and, and different things. And so he, he does answer to somebody. Uh, and so uh, now our, our will is sovereign and that concept is fairly hard to understand for the church that our will answers to no one uh, and we always get to uh, we always get to follow our will now the only now the Lord will not change our will but sometimes he has to constrain our will right so if you're going to harm somebody else the Lord may put an angel there in, uh, in between that person and you to keep you from harming that person. Now, your will is to harm them, but he won't let you do that. So there are things that he will constrain your will, but he will never change your will. Right? He won't go in there and just turn a dial and say, no, now, you were, now you're a terrible person, click, you know, now you're a good person. He'll never do anything like that. You know? Yesterday they wanted to do this, click, now, that, now I just took that away from them. People all the time pray, Lord, take, take this thing from me. Right? Take this anger from me, take this, take this sin from me, or take, this, you know, take these terrible thoughts from me. And the Lord's like, no, I can't. I would have to violate your will to do that. If you want them, they're there. If you don't want them, you don't have to have them. And, and, and then that, you know, the, uh, the thing that we, we need to appreciate and understand is if your will is really sovereign, which it is, uh, uh, and that, that, again, that concept, you know, there, there's a big move in the church and has been that way for many centuries that uh, you don't have a free will, that you're just a robot and you're just doing just, you know, whatever, Whatever God wants you to do, he's already decided what you're going to do, and you're going to do it even if you don't even know that you're doing it. You know, you think you're choosing it, but you're not really choosing it. God's already chosen it for you, and so you're just playing a part. But that's weird stuff, right? That gets into weird, you know, the predestination, that kind of group there, right? And um, what's the fellow's name that came up with that, with that doctrine, Jared? Calvin, yeah, uh, John Calvin. Uh, they call it Calvinism, right? And basically, Calvinism is, you don't have a choice. God's already made the choice, so uh, he's already decided if you're going to heaven or not. You didn't decide. Now, of course, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it doesn't really mean that, because that's the obvious thing, what it means, that if whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved means, well, then whosoever. That's kind of what it means, right? It's not, not really hard to understand. It doesn't mean that, because I'm smarter than that. 
Well, that, when you're smarter than the Word of God, you're pretty smart, right? And you've got a, uh, a PhD in stupidity, but uh, they really believe those things. They believe that, that, that you really don't have a sovereign will, that you are just a puppet of God, that He's already laid all this out, and you're just you're playing that part. So when you decide to have a cookie tomorrow, He's already put that in your heart, that you are going to have a cookie tomorrow, and you're going to have that cookie because He's going to make you eat that cookie. And that's just, that's just crazy. I mean, you can just... You know, you know, some people come up with stuff like that. People just sit around and just think all day long. Not about the word. They don't meditate on the word. They're just dreaming up stuff of, Lord, what kind of dumb thing can I do today? What kind of dumb thing can I come up with today? Because their goal is to come up with something so novel and so unique that they get attention, right? Because they're, they're seeking glory from men. They're seeking attention from men. And they're going to come up with this. Because this, if I just say, you've got a sovereign will, because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, you know, you're kind of like, well, yeah, that's obvious. You know, why is that? You know, why is that all that? And that's not all that impressive, right? I mean, you just read that. Everybody can read that and find, figure that out. Why are you even here? Well, because people have other dumb ideas, right? And, that, that, and the only reason I'm here is because people have all these dumb ideas. So you have a sovereign will. It answers to no one. If you die and go to hell, uh, and if you go through the New Testament, what, what you find is, remember when Jesus said, what profit of the man if he gained the whole world and lose his what? soul right but that word soul uh is the word suke right so it 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 really is talking about your mind your will and your emotion and and so really a better a better way to understand it is if you gain the whole world and lose your soul what you're losing is your ability to exercise your will so you still have a will you st- you don't lose your soul like it's gone like it's not like where to go I don't know. You're like, you ever lost your keys? Where'd it go? I don't know. Where'd the other sock go? We don't know. When we get to heaven, they're all going to be found somewhere, right? They're all like Pluto or, you know, there's going to be like, like, a, like, a, like a dead sock, you know, play, where they all go, right? There's probably some sock black hole, but wherever they go, right? And he's like, how, you know, and why socks? I mean, you know, I've never lost like a whole shirt, right? but you, I've lost, I can't tell how many socks you, you ever lost like a whole shoe, like a one shoe? Not two shoes, but You've lost one shoe. Who does that, right? How does that even happen, right? I don't know. But so you don't, you don't, you don't lose. Your soul is not removed from you. It doesn't stop, stop being a soul. It's there, but it's no longer allowed to exercise its will. It has a will. You think anybody in hell wants to be there? This is great. You know, people all, all the time say, you know, I'd rather you know uh, serve in uh, or rule in hell than serve in heaven. You know, they're all kind of boisterous about it. Like, yeah, let's see what song you're singing when, you, when it happens, right? Let's see what song you're singing when, when you're in torment, right? Uh, there will be no song sung, right? There'll be no pride, no arrogance, no, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to serve up there. You know, and, of course, you've got to take some of these things with a grain of salt. But I was reading after a lady that had some visions went to hell and, and saw how some things worked. And she said the people that are, that are uh, tortured the most are the people that the devil got to believe that they would serve with him, they would rule with him. Uh, and, 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 and in order to do that, they had to commit the worst atrocities on the earth in his service, thinking that they're going to earn some position with the devil. And he will torture them the most, just out of spite, just to show them, ha, I really got one over you. I told you you're going to rule with me. I'm going to treat you the worst. And I, again, you can take that with a grain of salt, obviously, because we don't have any Bible for that. But... 
it kind of sounds like what the devil would do. Spiteful and, and, and uh, belligerent, you know. Uh, and so if you, if you die and go to hell, you don't want to be there. Your will is still active, right? You do not want to be there. The rich, the rich man in Lazarus, right? Lord, Lord, let Lazarus dip. You know, it's funny because the rich man was a snob on the earth. He was still a snob in heaven. I mean, in hell. Hey, Lazarus, hey, Abraham, have Lazarus come and wait on me. He was a peasant on the earth. I'm going to still treat him like a peasant. Have him come and still wait on me. I mean, you know, pride is a terrible thing, right? You know, he didn't ask for Abraham to give him. No, I'm not going to ask for Abraham. Abraham's too important. But let, let that dog of, of Lazarus that sat at my gate all the time and, and the dogs licked the wounds, you know, licked his wounds, let him come over here and give me some water. And Abraham was actually more gracious probably than I would have been, you know. But he, Abraham said, no, not going to happen. So uh, the rich man's will was to not be in torment. Was he still in torment? He was in torment. So his will was there, but he was not able to exercise his will. He had lost the ability to exercise his will. That's what happens when you go to hell, right? You lose the ability to exercise your will. When you get saved, you have made a declaration that I choose to take my will and make it subservient to and answer to somebody else's will. It's still your will, still a free choice. Did anybody make you get saved? See, that's why the, the whole concept of Calvinism is just ridiculous because you, you have to take your sovereign will and choose to place it under the will of somebody else, somebody who's greater than you, and that's the Lord Jesus, right? And that's what, that's what a sane, uh, intelligent person would do is they would, take, uh, they would take their will and they would place it under the will of somebody else. That's the whole, that's the whole uh, uh, deal of getting saved. Right, that's the covenant that you've made with the Lord. I choose to, to follow you and answer you all the days of my life. And it's a big thing, right? It's not a small thing. It's a big thing for you to take your sovereign will and to place it under somebody else. When people get married, they take their sovereign will and say, I choose to partner with you, right? Not for you to be under me, but for, for us to be partners, right? Uh, a marriage is supposed to be a partnership, right? I know there is some, some areas of authority that's different, but I'm talking about your will, right? Chris doesn't answer to me. She doesn't have to come to me and ask if, if it's okay for her to pray. Right, it's okay. If, uh, Master Chip, is it, you know, now, I mean, Sarah called Abraham Lord. I've been trying to get Chris to call me Lord all, all over marriage, you know. Well, Sarah called him Lord. You, know, you never called me Lord, you know. Uh, and and um, does she, is, is it required for her to come to me and submit her will to pray to me? No, so I'm not, I'm not her Lord, right, in that regard. I'm not her, her master. Uh, and, and so... And she reminds me about that on a regular basis, right? And so, <laughs> not really. She's not here, so I can say whatever I want to, right? I just have to make sure we, uh, Jared, make sure we delete this tape after the, after the service, right? Uh, and uh, take it back off of Facebook. But, um, and so, so we have a sovereign will. Uh, and, and, and so that sovereign will can supersede the word of God. Amen. The believer shall lay hands on the sick. And, but the implication for all the verses is as long as it doesn't violate somebody's will. Right. So I can't just go and shut up. I'm praying for you anyway. Right. I couldn't just go to that fellow that I called. Hey, can we come pray for you? Well, I'm I'm showing up anyway. That would be that that would be a violation of their will. And it'd be something that even the Lord won't do. And so when Brother Hagen went to this fellow, the spirit of God said to him that 
spiritual laws that have been set in motion years ago cannot at this time be changed. And so, of course, he didn't. You wouldn't know what that means. I don't know what that means. You know, what would that mean? So he started asking the family, hey, has he ever said anything, done anything that would, you know, uh, that would be odd or different or whatever? And, and they said, oh, yeah, when uh, he talked to his brother first, uh, you know, we used to mess around, you know, just kind of wrestle and, and stuff. And uh, he said one time when he was about 18, all of a sudden he got real serious and looked at me. He said, he said, I'll never see my 40th birthday. Never see my 40th birthday. He's 18 years old. He said, I'll never see my 40th. So that's 22 years in the future, right? I'll never see my 40th birthday. Well, was that a, was that a, a desire of the Lord for him to die before his 40th birthday? Well, it wasn't a desire from the Lord. So <clears throat> um, well, where'd that come from? Well, it didn't come from heaven, right? It either came from hell or came from his own crazy thoughts, right? And so he we went and talked to his mom. Do you ever say anything like that? Oh, yeah, I heard him say all the time, I'll never see my 40th birthday. He died on his 39th, uh, during his 39th year, within like three months of his 40th birthday. <clears throat> and so those are spiritual laws. Well, the spiritual law is you have a sovereign will. That's the spiritual law. And you get to choose how much of God you have. You get to choose of how much faith you walk in. You get to choose of how much victory you live in every day. You get to choose. You have a sovereign will. If you get up and say, you know, the Bible doesn't work for me, that's a sovereign statement of your will. And that, that will will constrain, that statement will constrain the Lord from ever allowing you to be successful in your life. Not on him. It's not on his side, right? It's on your side. Amen. You have a sovereign will. For him to then put blessings upon your life would be for him to violate your will and he will never do that and so people wonder why you know why am i never successful why am i not why am i not healthy why am i not prosperous why am i not happy why am i not full full of the life of god check your sovereign will check what have you said what have you done what what have you uh limited god where have you constrained god and his ability and desire to fulfill his will in your life because he's he already said in ephesians three twenty that he will do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think if he can do that, well, why isn't he doing that? It always goes back to your will. I mean, you can trace every limitation in your life, whatever it is. If you're, have, I, I got anger issues or whatever, right? Go back to your will. Uh, and the nice thing is you can fix it. If it's your will, you can fix it. Nobody else can fix it, in fact. Only you can fix it. And so, uh, you know, the, these things uh, have to be uh, taught over and over again and you know, and so what we try to do is we try to teach them from multiple angles, right? Well, let's look at it from the sovereign will. Let's look at it from God's will. Let's look at it from the word of God. Let's, you know, so we're, we try to, uh, to bring the same concepts over and over from multiple angles so that, uh, because, you know, everybody doesn't, doesn't, doesn't learn the same way, right? Uh, and so sometimes you'll get something out of a service that maybe somebody else doesn't get out of it, you know, and, and the reason is because that particular way it was presented was helpful to you. And you know, I remember when I was in high school, um, I took piano lessons for a year because I guess everybody's required by law at least one time in their life to take piano lessons, right? And so I took piano lessons for a year, and, and I was terrible at it, you know. And uh, because for me, the way that I learn is, I learn uh, by understanding. You tell me why this is this way, and I'll be able to understand it. You know, don't just tell me that's well. That's just the way it is. Well, that's that. For me, that's not good enough, right? For some people, like, oh, yeah, fine, yeah. Bang away on the keys, you know, just, you know, they'll do that, you know. But, I, I, you know, my question was, why that key? Why is that key so good? Why isn't the key right next to it not good, right? There's got to, I know there's a reason, 
but you know, Johnny's laughing like, you know, what? You know what the key? You know why is that? Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> who knows, right? It's a mystery. Now somebody knows. You know, I know somebody knows. I don't know who knows, but I know somebody knows, right? Because see, I want to know why. You know, why if I press for a chord, you got to press the A and the C and the G or something, and 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 those all sound good. But who decided it sounds good? I know it sounds good, but who decided that? Who figured that out? And why did they figure that out? See, that, see, it doesn't make any sense to me because they didn't understand. Now, I, I know a little bit about music theory now that it's all octaves and harmony, you know, harmonics, it's all frequencies. It's, uh, music, in essence, is, is very mathematical. But the majority of, mu- uh, of music teachers have no idea what har- uh, harmonics are and what octaves are, you know, in a sense of, of uh, I think, octaves are a power of 10 greater. I think it's uh, the, the frequency... And we got, don't you have the little printout, Jared? It shows all the frequencies, right? If you're, if you're this playing this instrument, it's in this frequency range, right? So many hertz to so many hertz, right? 600 hertz to 800 hertz. Well, see, I look at that and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? Other people are like, what are you talking about? What words are you using, right? Uh, and so, so, you know, and that, so that's one reason why we teach things from different angles because some things, you know, will make more sense to you than other people, right? And, and that's fine, right? That, that's... that's uh, we need to learn how we learn, right, and, and be okay with that, you know, and for me, I've always, I always try to get, uh, my, my biggest hindrance is if I read something, I want to know why, why is it that way, right, just like the laying, hand, laying on our hands, why does that work, what, what, what's, what's the deal with laying on our hands, why does the Lord want to lay hands, why, why does the Lord want us to lay hands on people, uh, and, you know, the Lord gave Brother Hagen uh, what I think is the best, uh, the best understanding of that is it's, it's, exercising the law of contact and transmission that through the contact of our hands we transmit the power of god that's in me into you so and that's really and if you think about it all all the miracles of the earth occur because the power of god is in operation so when we're laying hands on a sick we're just transferring the power of god into that sick person there's no there's no special thing that says touching somebody you know causes electrons or something you know whatever to happen it's, it's not that it's just the power of god right same thing with with why why do why there's uh, uh, prayer cloths work right we lay hands on a prayer cloth we can send it to somebody and even at a distance and and it, something will happen well the understanding of that's the same thing it's the same exact principle somehow and we don't know how but somehow the spirit of god can be contained in that cloth uh, and in fact, I was listening to Brother Hagen teach about that just the other day. He's saying, you know, my experience is, and this is just talking about his, his experience, because in, 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 the, in Acts chapter 19, it says that uh, handkerchiefs and aprons that came from the body of Paul, right, that had touched Paul's body, were sent and, and, and people were healed of the diseases. And, and if they had devils, the devils were le- the devils left. So the, a prayer cloth can, can uh, result in both healing and also deliverance right removal of demonic powers and he said i've never been able to get a tissue for example to work only cloth right not a tissue he said not leather like a shoe or like like a glove or anything like that uh things like wood you know that he said only only a cloth right only uh cloth and 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 uh and generally speaking it's some kind of a natural material right so like rayon and nylon things like that they don't work well why don't they work i don't know they just don't work you know and, well you got a book job no but you know it, there's no uh, you you find out what works right and we know that something will work some kind of cloth will work so what kinds of work you know well, why is that well i don't know but something about those materials and, and what i suspect i don't really know but what i suspect is it's a natural material something that god created 
If it's something that man created, it doesn't carry the power of God. If it's something that God created, it'll carry the, the power of God. You know? And why is it that cloth works and say not wood? I don't know. You know, but, uh, uh, but that's, that's, well, could you get it to work? I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if Brother Hagin said it work, I'm not going to, you know, here's a toothpick. You know, it's just, you know, I'm not going to try it, right? It's it just, why, 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 why would I do that? You know, I, I, we've got prayer cloths. We've, we've cut up some natural cloths and we keep them in our little drawer there. And, and on occasion, we'll pray for that, you know. And, 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 but see, the understanding of it, it's not, it's not, because some people think it's almost like superstition. It's, oh, it's the, it's the cloth. It's not the cloth. It's the power of God that's contained in that cloth, right? It's just a way to transfer the power of God from me to wherever it's going, just in the exact same way that the laying on of hands operates, right? It's the transfer of power from me to somebody else, right? I've got the greatest power in the universe living on the inside of me called the Holy Ghost. And, and so I can take that Holy Ghost by his direction, by his inspiration, right? Because I don't just do it because I want to. I do it because he, he told us to lay hands on the sick. And he also showed us by example, we can lay hands on the prayer cloths. And so we have the word of God for that. And so we do it because we have, we have faith in that. So, so the understanding is all we're doing is transferring the power of God, right? Either directly or indirectly through the laying on of hands. So laying on of hands. And so, so I always want to know why does that work, right? And talking to some people, they, they almost act like it's the, it's, it's the cloth that's got some inherent power. That doesn't even make any sense because that would be an outlier, right? That'd be a whole new doctrine of cloth power. Well, there's no cloth power doctrine, right? We have the Holy Ghost and everything that gets done on the earth is done by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. No, and so, and so, so let's turn over to First uh, Kings chapter seventeen. We'll actually we'll get started into what uh, Doctor Yeomans was talking about today. And um, but uh, in uh, in in this chapter, she's talking about the voice of a, of a, of a Elijah here. And so what we're going to find out is uh, our words are important, right? And in fact, words are always important. And in fact, remember what Jesus said, that we're going to be judged for every idle word. You think about that. So even unimportant words are important, right? So uh, be careful about that. You know, I, I remember I was with somebody and, and, you know, I don't think the Lord has a, has a problem with us just, you know, fellowshipping and just talking about the weather. You know, I don't know that it's an idle word, but I think it's when people just fill up all, all and take up all the oxygen in room because they want to be heard. You ever know people like that? Uh, and it's not about what they're saying that's important or even just trying to fellowship. They, they want to control the conversation. They want to say all the words. And I think that's when you get into idle words. You know, because, you know, I used to hang around, uh, you know, before church, I'd just be hanging around different people, different groups and stuff. And this one fellow I'd, I'd go up to and he'd be talking. And after a while, you know, I just like, he just never says anything. Just never says anything at all. Just blah, blah, blah. It's all the time just talking about it. Just dumb things. He'll make up stories that didn't mean anything, and just, and just. But he was always controlling the con just controlling the conversation. And finally, I just like, man, I just, I don't like being there. And 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 I think the root of it was idle words. He was just consuming all the oxygen in the room, just blah 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 blah, just talking, 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 and not hey, how's it going? How you doing? You know, hey, you know, this is what happened to me. Just just talking, right? Yeah. And uh, Jesus said. It's not good, right? So you'll have to talk to the Lord about that. Uh, and so uh, it says, 
Now here, now she starts out at the end and kind of then backs up to the beginning, but she starts out in verse 22 of 1 Kings chapter 17. And it says, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. And so this whole chapter is about uh, Elijah and the, the power of spoken prayer in his ministry, right? So the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Uh, and, and um, you know, it's always important uh, and be careful about what you say, right? Uh, in fact, uh, if you remember the story with, uh, uh, remember with Miriam and Aaron, uh, when, they, when they were complaining against Moses, and they were saying, oh, well, the Lord speaks to us too. And, and the Bible says there, and the Lord heard them. That's always scary, right? Because that's a very ominous statement. I heard what you said. Because was, what was said was not a kind thing, right? And, and if the Lord went out of his way to say, by the way, I want you to know I heard what you said, right? You, you ever said anything and you, you don't know anybody's around, you don't think anybody's around, you said it, and then somebody says, hey, I heard that. Uh, and so... And then you get really nervous, right? <laughs> you start backfilling. Oh, well, I don't mean, uh, uh, and so, so here, you know, uh, what we want to do in our life is get to a point where, uh, where it says the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. We want to get to a point where in our lives, where where it's said of us, the Lord heard our voice. Amen. Uh, and of course, we know the Lord hears us, but uh, really, He'll hear us when we're speaking words that He can hear. Right? So if we're saying words that he shouldn't hear, like words of doubt and unbelief, I don't even believe he hears them. He just, they, they're not, they don't ever make it to heaven. And so let's go back then to the beginning of the chapter here. And it says in verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word, my word. You think about that. that. Here's the prophet of God saying, this is what I declare. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you go back to Joshua, it says, about, it says of Joshua that, that not a single word that was spoken of by Joshua fell to the ground. Uh, and, uh, and other people have said similar things. You know, the Lord has said similar things about that. Elijah said, according to my word, this is what's going to happen. And now, then the, then the Lord starts speaking to Elijah says, The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, uh, that is before Jordan. So, so Elijah just turned off the rain in Israel. And the Lord said, Go, get, go, go by the brook Cherub, uh, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So the brook Cherith, the word Cherith there means promise, right? That's what... Uh, Dr. Dimmons brought out there. Uh, and, and so she starts making some points about uh, the Lord showing his faithfulness to Elijah here. And she said that the constant flowing of the brook reminded Elijah of God's faithfulness right? because it's always there, right? So, he, so the Lord said, go, go over there uh, and go by the brook, drink of the brook, uh, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you, right? So they're going to bring in, you know, McDonald's or, you know, going to bring in cookies and, and uh, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever, whatever. You know, I don't know if he placed them like an order or what, but whatever that is, they, they brought that to him and they took care of him, right? Uh, and it says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread 
and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. <clears throat> and so, again, just like the, the constant flowing of the brook reminded him of God's faithfulness, uh, every day, morning and evening, the ravens brought food and their punctuality reminded him of the faithfulness of God. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, I, I don't, we haven't spent much time talking about it, but one of the things that Dr. Yeomans did after she got saved is she set up what she called a healing house. And she would have terminal patients come, and, and I think they were all terminal. I, you know, I don't know if that was always the case, but I think the majority, if not all of them, were terminal patients, right? You couldn't come here unless there's no other hope. And, and then they would spend time and just have them read the Word of God, right? So they weren't praying for them all the time. They were trying to build up their faith. And that was, that was the deal at that house there. And so she called uh, her house Cherith, so, uh, which means promise, right? It's Hebrew for promise. Uh, and so because she wanted them to know about the promise uh, of God, right? So that was the name of her healing house. Uh, and then it says in verse 7, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Uh, so what, what, did, what did Elijah do? Does it say that Elijah got up and went somewhere? No. Uh, it, it, it says in verse 9 that the Lord told him to get up and go somewhere. But until verse 9, Elijah just stayed still. He didn't go anywhere, didn't panic. You know, people panic a lot of times. Oh, something happened. You know, what's going to happen now? You know, the, the, thing that's, the thing that's crazy to me, you know, we all say we believe God, but the least little thing happens, we start getting all nervous, start wringing our hands. Well, didn't the Lord take care of you yesterday? You know he's going to take care of you tomorrow. Well, why don't you think he's going to take care of you today, right? Now, you may observe that, wow, brooks run out of water. Somebody should do something, right? Something should happen. Uh, can't stay here, but if the Lord hasn't said to do anything, what should you do? I do nothing, right? If the Lord hasn't spoken, then, then the best course is to remain exactly where the last place the Lord told you to go. If he told you to go to the brook Cherith and he hasn't told you to go anywhere else, then it, it would be wise, you know, if you really, if you heard from the Lord to begin with to go there, it would be wise to not change it, not change your circumstances immediately until the Lord speaks. But a lot of times Christians are so moved by the natural circumstances that when something happens, they immediately panic and start changing everything, right? Well, I'm going to start, do, start doing this, start doing that, you know. And I got this new ache of pain, so I'm going to start doing this exercise or eating that, uh, you know, gizzard juice or taking this pill, whatever it is. And well, why don't you wait on the Lord? Now, the Lord may say for you to, hey, why don't you get some exercise, you know, uh, you're sluggard. Or, you know, he may say, you know, take this pill. He may tell you to, you know, uh, change your diet. You know, he may tell you a lot of different things, right? But why do, we, why, do we start, why do we start changing things? That's the question, right? Why do we start changing things? And a lot of times, it's driven by fear. If you look at what, what motivated me to start doing this thing, oh, you better walk your 10,000 steps or you're going to die young. You know, well, why 10,000? Who came up with that number? Uh, it, it originated from Japan, but the guy, just, he just basically made it up. Why not 8,000? Why not 10,006? Is it 10,000 exactly? Or you expire? I mean, what, you know, where did that number come from, right? Uh, and there's a lot of things like that. People, you know, because, from, again, for me, it's like, what's the understanding? Who came up with this number, right? There's no number, amen? Uh, and so, um, and just like cholesterol, you know, there's a number, I think, was it 300 is bad cholesterol? If it's above 300, well, why not, why not 301? 
you know, who decided that, you know, you, you think every single body is exactly the same, that, that amount of cholesterol? And, and yeah, I mean, I'm not a doctor. Right? You do whatever you want to do in that. But I'm just, I, I just question everything because I want the understanding of it. I want to know where you got that number from. I want to see the, the, the studies for it, you know. Uh, you know, they did a study over like 20 or 30 years about, about uh, just uh, multivitamins, daily multivitamins, you know. You know what they found? Nothing. They, they had no difference, no effect on anybody, zero effect. And if you notice when they published that, that, that particular study, and they published multiple studies with the same exact results, studied tens of thousands of people over 10, 10 20, 30 years, same results, did, no, did nothing, zero, right? A uh, hundred people, you know, normally 100 people would die of heart disease, you know, uh, out of 100 people, whatever, 80 people, 60 people with vitamins, without vitamins, same exact number, right? So no difference, whatever. And they did find for, for expectant mothers, it did change. Uh, and if you notice, the TV commercials all changed. They still sell vitamins, but now, you know, they're for vitality, whatever that means, right? They're, they're you know, it's a good thing to do. Well, who says it's a good thing to do, right? I mean, so if you notice, all of their advertising has changed because they can't be nearly as adamant about, you know, you need these vitamins to restore the things you can't get from your regular food because now they found out it doesn't do anything. I mean, if, you're, if, you, you, know, if you don't eat any food that has iron in it or taking a vitamin with iron in it, it does nothing. You gotta, for whatever reason, your body wants food, right? Your body wants food that has, that, that has minerals in it and a pill won't, won't substitute the food that God gave us. Uh, and look, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist. I'm just telling you what, you know, these things that people love to come up with. And so, so Elijah didn't move. Uh, the brook dried up. He did nothing. He didn't change. He, he didn't start panicking. He didn't do anything, right? Uh, and it says in verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, So now the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, get thee to uh, Zarephah, uh, which belongeth to Zidon and dwelled there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So now he's got a widow woman there to, uh, to sustain him. And uh, the thing that we should learn is just, just relax, just take a breath. And if the Lord sent you there to begin with, he's smart enough to, to send you away somewhere else if it's necessary. If it's not necessary, then just stay where you're at, right? And, and that's the thing that's so hard for the, for the church to do is stay the course. Uh, you, you know, one, one of the things when, when I was with my pastor uh, years ago, <clears throat> you know, you've heard me tell a lot of the different stories, just crazy stories, insane stories many times. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'd ask the Lord, Lord, uh, can I leave? Because I was a sane person, right? A sane person does not want to stay in all that drama. So much drama, right? Just, and, and I don't do drama. You know, this church will never have drama. My family, my house will not have drama. You want to bring house? You want to bring drama to my house? Not, not, not allowed, right? We don't, we don't do it. Uh, and, and I'm not going to have it. You know, I'm not going to have it in this church, in this ministry. I'm not going to have it in my life. It's just, it's just carnality. It's just devilish, right? Don't want it. Have no interest. In it. Some people love it. Some people love drama. You know, people just love drama. You know, if there's no drama, they'll go stir it up. Oh, man, your hair looks terrible. Well, you know, what, where'd that come from, right? Oh, is it, there's no drama. I just want to stir something up, right? People just like that way, right? So, Lord, Lord can I leave? Because, you know, why, why would you want to stay? And I don't even know why they wanted me to stay. Because, you know, they acted like they hated me. Uh, and, and yet they didn't want me to leave. <laughs> it was just the weirdest thing, you know. And it's because of psycholo psychological devils, right? They love to, to inflict 
uh, agony on people. And it was, right? It was devilish and carnal and all those things. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, and, I, and oftentimes I'll say, well, you know, the Lord wanted me to stay. But really, you know, to be technically accurate, he never would answer me. Never would say, no, I want you to stay. You know, uh, and so all I had was, well, I remember years before he told me to go there. And that's the last word he spoke to me. So that's the word I have to stay with. And I was determined no matter what it cost to follow that word. Now, it cost me dearly, right? It cost me, uh, I mean, so much, you know, just in anguish and, and emotional stress. And, uh, and, and, you know, to be honest, you know, all the gray hair I have right now, it's always from that. It took me a while to figure it out, you know, but it was, it was too late. The gray already showed up. Because when I, it all started, I used to have one little patch of gray right here, right? And, and they'll tell you that a, a big reason for gray hair to show up is stress. Man, I was stressed. I was so stressed for years. Stress, stress. You know, why, why are they doing this to me? Why do they treat me so bad? All I want to do is help them. I, you know, I ain't never done nothing to, to them. And, and, and I even had one person say, what'd you ever do wrong? I never saw you do anything except help around here. What'd you ever do wrong? And I'm, well, you're right, you know, because nobody had anything on me. You know, they just, but it was just devilish, right? And, and so, Lord, uh, can I leave? Nothing, just nothing. Now, it wasn't because he was mad at me. I just, so I had to go back to, well, what's the last thing he said? You go to that church. And so if, if that's what he said, then that's what I did. And a lot of people are like, I ain't doing it. I'm, I'm leaving. Well, then, you know, don't live for the Lord. Don't, don't expect his blessings. Don't, don't press in and do the hard thing sometimes and, and follow his path. You know, don't leave the, uh, go ahead and leave the dry brook and go somewhere where you're not supposed to go. Well, the brook's dry, I got to go. Well, who, who said you had to go? What's, it, what's the brook got to do with anything? The Lord sent you there. You stay until he says to go somewhere else. And, but, but the church hates that. The church hates the unknowing, right? The church hates staying still. The church hates waiting on the Lord. And yet he said, wait on the Lord. Didn't he say, wait on the Lord? He literally said, wait on the Lord, right? Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, I ain't got time to wait on the Lord. I got to change something, right? I ain't staying right here. They're treating me too bad. I ain't doing it. Well, didn't the Lord call you there? You know, and, and I told you, of course, later on, I asked the Lord, Lord, why'd you ever have me there? You know, you ever wondered that? You know, Lord, because you look at it like, you look at it, and, and from, from a natural perspective, I was a complete failure. I was there for nearly 20 years, uh, and my desire was to help those people. And if I helped any of them, I don't think I did. I don't know that I did, you know. Uh, now, I know in, in, in small ways, I probably, uh, helped a lot of them, but as far as changing their course and direction of their spiritual life to where it should have been, complete failure, total failure. And don't you feel bad? No, Lord sent me there, right? He didn't say be successful. He said go. Because in order for me to be successful, their will had to be involved, right? And, and the, Lord, the Lord showed me, he said, he said, I had you there to give them an opportunity to repent. You think about that. They were so carnal. My only job was to get them to repent. Now, I never confronted them about, you got to repent. I never said, you all bunch, you got to repent. I just try to show them how a Christian should live, walk in love, be kind to each other, and, and not, you know, return evil for evil, you know, and, and hopefully they would catch on and repent of their evil ways, right? This is a church that I'm talking about, right? You've heard the stories of the church. And the Lord said, I had you there in order to give them an opportunity because I love them. And see, that's the thing is, does he love all of us? 
He does. And if we're in sin, what's, what's the one thing he wants more than anything for us to do? Is to repent, right? So he, he may send somebody across your path to help you repent. And sometimes the only thing he'll do is just be nice to you. And sometimes the, the sinner of life hates that. That sin hates a real Christian, right? And, and, and these people were so mean to me. So, I mean, just like, why are you mean to me? Why are you so, so you hope, I mean, and it was, it was a mob mentality, right? I mean, you know, uh, there was another time they picked on somebody else. You know, and, 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 and you know, to be honest, there was just a little, I mean, you know, and I even hate to even say it, but there was just a little bit of gladness in my heart that they weren't actually picking on me that time. They picked on somebody else in the church, you know, at, at that particular time. And, and, and so he's sitting on the front row. And so the pastor starts asking everybody, you know, kind of not a, without naming his name. Well, what do you think about somebody who does this? And of course, we all know he, that's what he did, right? And this person, oh, yeah, we should, we should shoot them. Oh, yeah, we should bury them. Oh, yeah, we should talk bad about their mama. You know, everybody, you know, just saying these things. And they finally, they ask me. You know, and, and uh, uh, I said, well, you know, uh, Pastor, I just, I just thank God he's full of mercy. Uh, and then, you know, and then later on he said, he, said uh, he asked me, you know, what do I think about it? And, and you know, I just, want, I, I just felt like I needed to, to say something about the elephant in the room. I said, well, he's sitting right on the front row, why don't we just go burn him at the stake right now? And that's what I said to them. <laughs> To the church, right? Now, they asked my opinion, so I didn't, I didn't just say, you know, I didn't get, stand up, you know, thus said the Lord. They said, what do you think? I said, well, he's sitting right there. Why don't we just go? And I said those words. Why don't we burn him at the stake right now? Because I'm thinking like, like Frankenstein's monster, right? Go get the pitchfork, you know, and burn him at the stake, you know. And, and I said, when are we going to start walking in love? We're going to start doing the word. Now, that made them all really happy. You know that, right? No, they were all, they, it doubled up. You know, they couldn't stand me even more, right? But see, the Lord said, I needed you to be there so they could have an opportunity to repent. And that's, that was my... Now, he didn't tell me that when I started. Because if he told me that when I started, I'd be like, you get somebody else for it. Eh? You want me to do what? For how long? And be unsuccessful? And to, you know, see, I say, waste my life? I didn't waste a minute. Because I learned all that, right? Now, the problem is, I didn't learn it as quick as I could have. Right? I could have learned it earlier and kept all my dark hair, right? I didn't learn it early enough, and then I got white hair, and then, you know, could you believe God? Maybe I could believe God, but, you know, I kind of like my white hair. The Bible says that the, that the gray head is a, is a crown of glory, right? So we'll take the glory of the gray hair. Uh, and so, uh, but I didn't change. The Lord said to go, and that's, that's the last thing he said, so that's what I went with. And, and so many times the church, you know, they're just, they're all the time moving, all the time moving, you know. Well, I, I can't take it anymore. The brook's dried up, right? The, the pastor ain't got it anymore, you know. He used to have it. He ain't got it no more. So is that why you left? Is that, did you go because he had it, you know, whatever it is? You know, I mean, is that why you went to begin with? I thought the Lord told you to go. The Lord told you to go. Maybe you're there to help, right? Uh, and so anyway, just uh, the, Lord, uh, the Lord finally did speak to him, right? The Lord, word of the Lord came to him and said, go over there, right? And the Lord's always faithful. If you'll wait on him, he will speak. He will speak. If you will wait on him, he will speak. If, if you want to be healed bad enough, if you wait on him, he will speak. Amen? And then do what he says. Whatever the cost, right? Whatever the cost. Give up whatever he says to give up. You know, I, I like the example that uh, Dodie Osteen left us, and then we'll go. You know, she, 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 
started feeling bad one day. She went to the doctor, and they, they did a bunch of tests on her, and they said, um, yeah, you need to go home and die. Nothing we can do. You've got like stage eight brain cancer or something, whatever it is, you know, terminal cancer, terminal brain cancer. Go home and die. There's, we can't operate on it. Can't, there's no medicine. You know, it's too, too far gone. And so she went, and, and she, she even, you know, uh, it wasn't even direction of Lord. She just wouldn't cover all of her bases. So she just thought about anybody she'd ever have any conflict with in her life that she could remember. You know, maybe somebody got mad at her because she burned the beans or, you know, somebody didn't open up, you know, she didn't open the door fast enough for them. They got mad about that. You know, whatever it is, right? You know, because she was a pastor's wife and, and you know, pastor's wife, uh, uh, they get treated poorly sometimes, right? Chris has, has, has been a blessing because uh, you all have, have done really well with Chris, but I know with my pastors, many of the people in the church treated her poorly, which is beyond me because all she ever did was help people. And yet people just talked about her and, and, and gossiped about her. And, and it's just terrible, you know. Uh, none of you all ever done that, and I'm thankful here because, I mean, you want to see the wrath of God? You, you say something bad about my wife, you know. I mean, just, I'll be... <laughs> Hired calling out from heaven, you know, and stuff like that. But um, uh, which I know y'all, y'all do really good. Um, so what were we talking about before that? Um, uh, well, we were going to say something there at the end there, but uh, I said we we're going to say that and we we're going to go. So what we're going to say? Uh, oh yeah, Dodie Osteen, right? So yeah, so um, <clears throat> so she just wrote letters to anybody there was ever any conflict with her ever. Hey, please forgive me. You know, I, you know. I want you to know that uh, I held. There's no ill in my heart towards you at all. If I've ever, you know, if I've done anything, and she would, you know, you know, there was a conflict here. Please forgive me for that. You know, so she just she went on the offensive. Whatever it took, right? No, no shame, no, no pride. Just you know, just want to make sure that there was nothing on her side that was a hindrance to her being healed. Some people will die before they would ever do that. I would rather die than than apologize to that person. Well, then die. Because the Lord's not going to have a special case for you. He didn't say, you know, forgive, except for you. You don't have to. I'll, I'll heal you anyway. He never said that. He said, if you have odd against your brother, forgive him. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. Oh, okay, well, yeah, you're right. They were terrible, and so for you, you don't have to forgive. No, he's never going to do that, right? So she just made sure there was nothing there, right? Uh, and she was, she was completely healed, outlived her husband. Uh, and uh, is she still around? Do you know, is she still here? She's still here, right? She was like 100,000 years old now. I mean, she, uh, of course, uh, 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 Brother Osteen, he died when he was 70, so he died fairly young, right? So she, she could have lived, uh, uh, what's that? She's in her 80s, yeah. So um, uh, just a blessing of the Lord, right? Uh, and a great testimony of God. So, um, so we'll, we'll finish this up uh, next week talking about Elijah here. But, uh, but the thing that I like about these stories is we get to see, see, because it's not so much about not just about the actual words, but what, what were they doing, right? How did they respond? How were they living? He was a person of faith, right? He was living by faith. The Lord said to go. He just said to go anywhere else, so I'm just staying. See, that? you can learn from that, right? It doesn't say stay until the Lord speaks to you again, right? That, that word does, but we see from example, that's what he did, right? He, he followed the voice of the Lord. He followed the will of the Lord, and he would not leave until the will of the Lord told him to do something else, and no matter what the cost, right? And well, well, he could have just died there. Well, he could have died there. You know, you've got to have water really quick. You can't go for long without water, right? Uh, what is it, uh, seven days without water, right? Something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even seven days. I mean, it's, it's, it's not long. Don't go without water very long, right? It's not good for you. Uh, 
Uh, and so, uh, but see, if he'd been like a lot of Christians, well, I need water. I would die without water. So I'm going to go change things, right? And I was like, well, I was working on it. And, you know, so-and-so over there had a flat tire. And, and you know, uh, I'm getting that tire fixed. I'll, they'll be there in a minute, right? Just give them a second, you know? And sometimes we get so impatient of, of the Lord that we, we start changing everything in the natural realm and we miss God. Do what the Lord says to do, right? It's, and when it comes to healing, because we're going to find out here that the whole purpose of this is about healing there, but um, see, what you want to do, like being Elijah, is you want to be a person of faith and a faithful person in order to, to be at the right place. When the, See, when the time comes and you need healing, you need to have done these things first, right? A lot of times people are like, well, I've never followed the Lord all my life, and then you get sick, and you're like, well, I'm going to start today. Well, I mean, that's, that's great, but what have you done for the last 30 years? What have you done the last five months, right? Have you been, have you been following the Lord? You know, the, the old saying goes, it's hard to build a house in a hurricane. And I've seen it many times where people have not lived for the Lord, they've not gone to church, they've not, they've not read the Word, they've not prayed, not spent time with the Lord, and then a terrible tragedy comes and they show up at church. You know, and that, that's great that they're here. And, you know, is the Lord merciful? He is merciful. Would he heal him? There's a good chance he'll heal him. But he won't heal him because of their faith, right? He'll heal him because of his mercy. Uh, and it's rolling the dice living like that. It's a guaranteed, if you'll remain faithful with the Lord, that he'll heal you, right? Guaranteed. Because you know his word, you start doing that, right? And it's not, you're not earning it, but, you know, you've lived your life. So when it comes, you've done like David. You know, I fought the lion, I fought the bear, it's just another thing, right? I fought a toe ache, I fought a, you know, a, you know, a finger ache, and now, you know, I can, I can take care of this big thing here, no big, no, it's just the exact same thing, right? Goliath was no different to David as any old lion and bear that he fought in the wilderness that nobody ever saw. Uh, but uh, a lot of times people want to go start out with Goliath. Well, you, you understand that the entire nation of Israel stood there in, all in fear, and nobody moved, because nobody else had fought a lion and a bear. And none of them felt confident to, to attack that, that enemy. Not one of them. Thousands of people, not one of them felt confident. Uh, you think you'll feel confident having never, I don't know, not you all, but you know, people that don't follow this word. You think they'll feel confident enough to believe God for healing, having never listened to his word about healing, having never exercised their faith towards healing, never one time been uh, prayed for for laying on hands, anointing oil, anything. You think they'll feel confident? No, they won't. They'll be like the other people of Israel, just sit there frozen in fear and, and not being successful. And that's not, God's not, is God punishing them? He's not punishing them, right? Could they have gone to church all those years? Could they have come to healing school every Sunday? We've had, uh, we're in our eighth year, right? So we've had seven full years of Sunday school, of, of healing school. So what's seven, that's 350 services of healing school, right? They could have come to. And, and so, now look, I'm not going to, oh, you shut up one time, you're going to die. No, it's not true. I'm not going to say that, right? Uh, you know, you're not going to make it. You've only been here one time. I would never say that, right? You know, the Lord's merciful, amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for the example that Elijah gave to us, Father, that he spoke uh, and that he listened, Father, and he yielded to your word. And as you gave him instruction and direction, Father, that he did exactly that. And if there were no words of instruction, he did not move until he, he heard words from heaven. And so, Father, we thank you that we can follow that same example, that we will move as the words of heaven in, instruct us to move. And if there are no words of heaven, we will go with the last thing that you told us to go and to do, Father. And then believe you that if you see fit and if it's necessary, you will continue to speak.
And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And, and uh, is the Lord good? Yeah. You know, they just uh, uh, today seemed a little different there, you know. But uh, I'd encourage you just just uh, uh, follow the course. Amen. Be faithful. Uh, and um, the Lord is good. Amen. He's merciful and kind as he desire to heal us every single time. Amen. And we're not earning his favor, uh, but we're growing in faith. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, uh, we appreciate the Lord's faithfulness. Amen. Uh, and there's so many, uh, there's so many good things. You know, uh, in in this particular story, you know, uh, it's kind of the same thing when I'm reading after Jesus in the Gospels. I'm not just reading the words, which I'm of course reading the words, but I'm also what did he do? Why did he do that? Right? He went to the man at the pool of Bethesda. We love that story, but then you start realizing, you know, he didn't go to anybody else at the pool. Well, why did he go to anybody else at the pool? Well, then you got to realize, well, he was led by the Spirit of God, wasn't he? So the Spirit of God led him to only one person. Well, why did the Spirit of God lead him only one person? Well, that's up to the Spirit of God, right? And, and so you start learning, you know, it's not just about the legalistic words. It's, it's learning the whole package, right? Learning the whole, that, that, that a sovereign move of God cannot be depended on, right? In a sense that nobody else there could depend on the sovereign God. But then you look at the contrast of that, everybody that came to Jesus was healed. So then you see there's a, a distinction there that, that God may supernaturally, sovereignly come and heal this person, but he may not because he didn't sovereignly heal that person. But anybody, anybody that came to Jesus got healed. So everybody is qualified to come to Jesus to get healed, but only a few people will have a sovereign move of God. Well, why is that? He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to, right? But if you come to him, he's guaranteed to always get healed. So you learn those things because so that's not, that, that concept is not written verbatim just like that, but that's why he wrote those things for us to study those things and make those connections and understand that well, that's really what's going on. Amen? Uh, and, and, and it fits. Everything fits, right? Sovereign move of God may may not get it, right? Uh, request of faith always gets it. Okay, well, that, that's a fair deal, right? I can live with that. Is that a fair deal? I can live with that. Amen? Oh, be blessed. Have a wonderful week, Lord. We'll see you next Sunday.